This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 362. Helen Wire, from Mud Hut to Hypnotist. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. It's an interesting thing that oftentimes people, when they get into hypnosis, it's not often a linear route. And what I mean by that is there's very few of us who grew up thinking, you know what, I'm going to be a hypnotist when I grow up. And so often the conversations here on the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast go about the route of what was that first introduction? How did you get into it? And I've got to say, this has got to be one of the more interesting stories that on the surface level, it was just, I learned some strategies from NLP, and then I went to a meeting and I met someone who did hypnosis, and I learned it from there. On the surface, it doesn't sound that unique. What's interesting in this conversation with Helen Wire from the UK is how she's somebody who just dove in, decided to make a change in her life, and in many ways just did a lot of the right things from day one found the resources to make it happen, didn't make any excuses. And it's why I love in this conversation, there's some brilliant little nuggets about, hey, here's this technique. How do you modify that for online? And the answer is about as direct as you can get. I have them scoop back slightly so I can see them. And it's where for people in hypnosis who, let's call this out, sometimes there are things that are taught in our industry that are, I can't say respectfully, that are um, overcomplicated for the sake of making things seem more overcomplicated, when really at the end of the day, the principles beneath the work that we do as hypnotists turn out to be rather simple. And as so much of this conversation gets into, the artistry is in the customization and making it a match for the person who's in front of you. Now, the title of the episode this week is one that we've never done before, because uh, <laughs> we have had people on the program who were previously teachers, uh, whether it's the university professor, that's the Paul Ramsey, whether it's the people who are the uh, grade school teachers, yet the story of learning to communicate with people while teaching in Africa while they did not yet know the language. Talk about probably one of the best places to learn real-time calibration based upon body language and facial responses. Though you'll hear this conversation with Helen as to how then uh, Bridge was gapped in terms of that communication and then being able to te teach a lesson and how so many of these nuances of the mindset of the educator, the person who is in the role of helping someone to learn and understand something has so wonderfully begun to really illustrate her story uh, that let's start with the end in mind here. One of the final things we talk about in this episode is how probably by the time this episode drops, uh, she'll have 90 reviews on Google. That's impressive. And how it creates this incredible map now of this sort of organic metaphor machine where people read those reviews and basically think to themselves, Hey, that's what I want, and that's why they reach out to her. That being said, keep in mind, especially for those of you that are just getting started, uh, we have to get that first review first. You know, even as we talk about online marketing and the strategies of running your business online, sure, here might be this big email campaign that helps to book your clients. Well, guess what? Your first fancy automated email campaign may just be 
one email. <laughs> your first website, hopefully this will break through some people out there in this audience, your first website might just be a video, a couple of bullet points, and a button to schedule time to talk to you, or hey, if you need to, uh, call this number today for your free consultation. So get started, get up and running. The best thing we're going to talk about this in this conversation with Helen, the best thing that many of you can get right now is real time feedback to be sitting in your home, waiting for the phone to ring and thinking about the clients you could help or the business you could run. Uh, you're not quite serving anybody. Instead, to get out there, as you're going to hear so many amazing nuances of Helen's story, of getting out there and making things happen. Uh, this is episode number 362. So for the show notes of this episode and a bonus photo of the mud hut we talk about, be sure to head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash, throw in these numbers, 362, or anywhere on the Work Smart Hypnosis website, the top left, is a way you can search for the various episodes. You can type in Helen, you can type in 362, that'll bring you right there as well. And while you're on the web, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. This is the all-access business training that I share with hypnotists in terms of how to get out there, how to attract the right clients, and thinking systematically about the nature of the business. I throw in a quick comment here for transparency. You'll hear Helen reference in the conversation that it was the system that I was teaching inside of Hypnotic Business Systems that she used as the launching point, as you ought to, then she made it her own. And that's how, by the time this episode releases, I'm sure there's going to be 90 uh, reviews up there as well. Well, that's just one of the systems. You want to shortcut the process of how to make sure you're only getting calls from qualified clients who are ready to change, willing to follow your instructions, and yes, willing to pay for your services. That's one of the systems inside of Hypnotic Business Systems. Hey, do you want to round out your income and help a bigger audience by not just limiting your time to one-to-one -to -one sessions? Well, there's a whole training about how to deliver high-quality group trainings. That's one of the Hypnotic Business Systems. Or hey... Why don't you duplicate yourself and earn money while you sleep? There's a whole training inside of Hypnotic Business Systems on creating your own digital products, membership websites, and yes, making it rain on the web. So I'm going to point you to two places here to look at, which are all off the same link. Uh, head over to hypnoticbusinesssystems.com and look through the page. There's all sorts of reviews, as that's the theme of this episode. There's all sorts of success stories and videos. You could watch a bit of a tour inside. But do this. The bottom, of course, is purple. There's a floating bar that if you click that, it's going to bring you over to a thing that's a free on-demand business hypnosis training, six steps to a six-figure hypnosis business. I'll tell you in advance exactly what that's going to be. It's going to walk you through the six most powerful strategies that are consistently running the bulk of my business. It's not the kind of presentation where I just tell you what they are. You see me demonstrate them step by step. And yes, there is an invite to join the paid community at the end of that, but it's all under a respectful premise. You could go off and try to reinvent the wheel and try to figure this stuff out for yourself and not just the loss of time, but that leaves people that you're not yet helping respectfully, how dare you? And instead, to join our community and our program, Helen's a member, you've heard a lot of it, I'm sure, over the years from people on this program, 
But to get the roadmap as to what actually works in our lovely little wacky hypnosis community and get up and running even faster, even sooner, hey, let's make this easier for you. So either way, browse the page, click the purple bar at the bottom, head over to hypnoticbusinesssystems.com to learn even more. So with that, let's jump into this outstanding conversation. I've been looking forward to this one. Here we go. Session, I love the title, session number 362, Helen Wire from Mud Hut to Hypnotist. I have to be really honest, I didn't know anything about hypnosis apart from what you see on the, on the TV, you know, all that kind of business. And when I left teaching and um, got into a particular, used to do some networking, met a hypnotherapist who, who kept telling me about these amazing stories. And I thought, I'd like a bit of that. Um, I'd gone into coaching and an NLP type stuff because when I was teaching, I uh, was a student, I, I mentored student teachers and they sent me on a coaching course and I was like, I like this, I can do this. And actually, I think I'd realized I'd been teaching in a coaching style all the time, really, but didn't know what it was called that. Um, but I always yeah. knew it didn't quite go far enough. So I'd finished teaching by then and got myself on a, on a course, got myself trained up. And even mid-course, mid I started thinking, do you know what? I'm going to start taking on clients and charging for it. And yeah, that's where it really all first started. Nice. And I love that part of the story. And this is, I, I'd say it's frequent, but it's kind of more on the rare side. As in, I was already, you know, working with teachers. I was already a teacher myself, and I was already aware of NLP. And then I got into hypnosis, which the new student of all of this often goes, which one do I do first? And <laughs> either track will work. I read a book on NLP, saw hypnosis, and then came full circle back. Though I'm curious to ask, in the previous career, what were some of the applications? What were some of the benefits you found of being aware of these principles, even in another segment of your life in terms of another career? Well, one of the things um, that, that really sticks out um, when, when I had students taking exams and things like that, they would come in and sometimes they would be, they'd been put under an awful lot of pressure from parents. It would be things like, if you get top grades here, we'll buy you an iPad or things like that, you know? So they were under so much pressure. Some of them were really, really nervous. And I knew that I had to change their state because they'd come in, they'd be so scared, they'd be nervous, you know, all host of, of a bunch of sort of stuff. But they were 11, the, the students I used to teach. So we used to go into things and I used to say without, you know, put your cloak of confidence on and we'd prance around the classroom and it would be, be your superhero and things like that. And I'd get them to laugh. How would your, you know, if you were picking up the, the Soccer World Cup, you know, what would you do you like the way I use soccer there rather than football? You know, I know you've got American listeners there. <laughs> but I'd get them to hold that World Cup in their hands and pretend they were, and they'd get themselves, and we'd just do acting, really, and they'd get themselves in, get them laughing, get themselves in a much better state, and then it would be, okay, guys, let's go in the school hall, settle down, and we'll do the exams. I just thought it was a little bit of drama I was doing and things like that. And then I suddenly began to think, hang on, this is really working. And then as I studied a little bit more, I could see how that was all working out. And again, one little kid, he used to stay behind. He never wanted to go home. So I used to give him jobs and things like that. And then as he got talking, he used to talk about, you know, I think his parents were, were constantly arguing and he found it hard. And I just remember saying, we'll call him James. And I can just remember saying, do you know what, James? What about when you get home, you just imagine that you've got this um, 
shield around you and you're in there and you can, what do you like to do? And he'd talk about reading or playing his games and this and the other. I said, you sit in there and with that shield around you, you can't hear your, your folks arguing and things like that. And I bumped into him long, long after he'd left school. Suddenly he was, ele- he was 11 and suddenly he was a 16-year-old guy who was shaving and with a beard. And he said to me, I never forgot that. And that got me through a really awful summer. And so I suppose without realising, I thought, gosh, the power of the imagination is huge. And yeah, that, that sort of... Um, those experiences I, I bring into sessions now that I'm, you know, when I'm working with people now. What I, what I love about that story, and this was a dialogue that happened in one of our trainings we were running this week, that clearly we want to point towards the big massive change. We want to help create the result. The client has, you know, respectfully paid us to help them to facilitate. <laughs> Yet sometimes it's that smallest shift that creates the biggest difference. Mm. And here's the story where, you know, rightfully so, you were not in a position to clean up the entire life for this individual, but instead, here's something I can help you do and to hear the feedback. And, you know, I'd imagine there was probably some bit of surprise that it had that much of an impact of something that small. Oh, absolutely. And I think because I still live, you know, locally to where I taught and I do quite often meet um, old students, you know, and again, some of them now are in their 20s. That's really scary when I think about that makes me quite old. (laughs) And quite often they still recognize me. So the good news there is obviously I haven't changed that much. But they'll often come and they'll say, I remember when you told me this and I have no recollection of that whatsoever. But it obviously really stuck with them. And I think, again, that power that sometimes you just say that odd phrase that odd word that you know that odd little story and it really sits with them and and as you say makes that shift for them i'd imagine you've had similar experiences working with clients where you know as we customize for the person in front of us as we make the process specific to them suddenly here's this one thing from the session that created the entire change and i don't know if you've had this moment too it's like well last week you said this and you're in your head going, did I? <laughs> sometimes a bit that makes me laugh is when they'll sometimes say to me, do you know what, at the start of the session when you said this, and it may have been a fairly throwaway comment, or it may have been when I was, you know, I'm, I'm quite... <laughs> We have fun in, when, in, in my sessions. You know, obviously, if somebody comes in in a really poor state, it's, it's being respectful and things like that. But, you know, I laughed a lot when I was teaching. You know, it, it's not all kind of... Um, head on one side and you know very very earnest and things like that and I remember one guy and he said to me yeah you said this at the start of the session before we actually did anything and I didn't really need the rest of the session that after that one (laughs) sentence I was sorted and um, yeah that really did make me make me laugh (laughs) that shows the importance of you know really being in the moment with the client and really listening and letting the process take the shape of what they need as opposed to, uh, I I saw this in a group and let me be smug for a moment and say it wasn't any of our groups, uh, but it was the, oh, but I spent so much time preparing for this appointment and they came in, it was an entirely different situation than what I expected. Like that's the greatest gift in the world. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious to ask then that, you know, in, in the conversation around let's say customizing to the person who's in front of us 
I, I would personally say as someone who teaches that training systems of creativity and flexibility was something I struggled with uh, a bunch of years ago. What What's kind of your approach in terms of letting it become something specific to that person in front of you while still hitting the nuances that are necessary to create that change? Oh, when I left teaching and I can always remember somebody saying, what a shame, what a shame that you've left teaching, you know, all those skills that are, waste, are wasted and things like that. Looking back now, I think, you know, that was a really, really great foundation on which to build my business because it taught me so very much about people. Yeah. Little, pe little people are still people, you know, whether they're 11 and they grow up into big people. And I think, again, also, um, I, I, I worked in Africa for two years when I was 21 and oh, wow. um, lived in a mud hut for two years. Couldn't speak the language, but I went to teach, which I know sounds bizarre. But you have to learn very, very quickly to read people. And it's amazing, even though you haven't necessarily got a commonality of, of language, say like English. And I learned the language was Bemba over there. I learned that pretty quickly because I had to. But you can pick up so much from nonverbal communication, you know, people's body language, a, a fleeting glance over the over the face. And I think I did it without even realizing because I had to. Again, mm. when, when I was teaching, again, I can, you know, could look at a class and I might have 30, 33 in a class or something like that. And you knew instinctively, right, that group's got something you've said, that group doesn't have a clue, needs it, you know, doing, uh, explaining again, that one needs a bit of reassurance. And again, it's just, I think, you know, the, the, the fancy word is calibration, but it's, you're doing that all the time without realizing so then move forward into, you know, business and whether you're online or I, I do both, I do online and I, I see people face to face. And it's those little, it's just that flash across the face. It's that you ask it when you ask a question or, or things like that, that gives you an insight and gives you a clue as to how, what that client needs and how to tailor that session. Because you're right, if you go in thinking, and sometimes I think, oh, I wonder if I'll do this, you know, but if you've got that toolkit and you can just dive into it and, and you know, and calibrate, you know, watch the whole time and think, okay, yeah, no, that one's not working actually, but let's change it to this. And having that confidence that you can do that. Um, and again, you needed that with teaching because you'd go down one path and look at the class and think, oh, I've lost half of you. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do, do, have to do something different, you know. Um, and I suppose because it was something I was so used to, it didn't seem particularly that scary to do it when I was doing it with clients. I have to say, part of me now wants to branch into the Africa stories and let that be the rest of the episode. But you're right that... Well, when so much of the work we do is based upon communication and suddenly we're now in a space where we can't yet communicate with words until the language is learned by the other party, I'm sure that gave you a greater appreciation of, can we say, specificity or just care in terms of words. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And again, it's listening <laughs> It's listening to, you know, I mean, say Africa was slightly different. And when we would get go along, along with English and Bemba and things like that. But even then, when you're working with, with children, you know, if I was going to, yes, I wanted to increase their vocabulary and things, but you had to do it in stages. But similarly, when you're working with a client in front of you, 
you know, it's using their language. You know, I think that's really, really key rather than changing it to something. Well, I think this sounds better than what you've just said, because that's just not, (laughs) that's not their world. That's not what they're, you know, and, um, even on the intake form and things like that. So I'll probably scribble a few notes down before I meet them just to think, right, what have they said on there? What do they want? You know, what change are they looking for? And using their specific words, um, you know, I think that's really key, really important. I will give a warning to this insight here to anyone who's listening who's brand new, which is that the further into my career that I've gone now, Uh, the more that my note-taking working with a client is more, what are the words that they're saying? And, you know, as the word pops up more frequently in the conversation, uh, if I'm doing something and I'm handwriting, I'm going to circle the word. Uh, These days, I'm seeing all my clients online and I just have a, you know, Word document that's opened up that I'm taking notes inside of. And that's where I'm just putting little stars, little asterisks next to it, which the, the ultimate line of this goes back to a client who came in and he had a fear of flying and he described it as this feeling of trepidation whenever he flew. And true story, the only thought in my head was, oh great, now I have to use that word for the next hour and a half. (laughs) Yet it was, let's go back to the NLP, it was his map of the issue and to talk about your fear, your phobia, your anger, no, that's not how he represented it. No. That's right. And, and I'm, I'm really I'm really upfront with my clients and I will say to them something. So if he'd have said to me about the trepidation, I would have probably said, oh, great. Now I've got to spell that. And I know I'm a teacher. I should know how to spell, should know how to spell it. But hang on a minute while I, while I write that down. And again, you know, you're changing that state, getting them to to laugh a bit and you're building that rapport with them without them, without, you know, even realizing. Yeah, I love that. So then let's go back to some of the story that you know, originally it was something you were using to supplement the work you were already doing. Here came a bit of a chance encounter by networking and meeting someone who actually did it. What were some of the first steps, let's say after getting the training to actually start to work with people and put these skills to use? Um, well, because I left teaching, um, I, I just, I just had enough. I really had had enough. I was, I was in burnout, and mm-hmm. lots of backstories there that I won't go into because it'd be a bit boring and um, take up too much time. But it just one day, I just thought, I'm out of this. You know, um, the, my children had grown up, so I wasn't needing to support them in quite the same way. And so it was kind of like I wanted to do something that that really lit me up. And also I needed a break from teaching because it was costing me physically and emotionally. So I I started off um, volunteering at, at coaching the staff at our local hospice and, you know, began to get a, a bit of a reputation there. And then they said, hey, we'll pay you for a, for a day a week. And then when I told them, I said, I'm going to do this um, hypnosis training. Would you be interested in any more of this? And they said to us, well, said to me, well, if we can get you on our, I think it was called a well-being practitioner list, we can send, you know, every single staff from catering, cleaning staff up to consultants have access to this and they can come and see you. So because I'd already got a little bit of a, uh, a reputation there in one sense my first clients were quite easy because you know they knew me I'd been around the building and, and things like that um, and it really developed from from there can we can we kind of highlight what exactly happened there and I think that's brilliant 
which is that you made use of an audience that you already had. Yeah. You already had a foot in the door in terms of communication there. And rather than the challenge that some people put themselves into of, you know, looking for this brand new experience. And meanwhile, here's this audience that they already have rapport with. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, I went in as a, as a volunteer, just went to, just wrote to or various organizations, um, you know, saying, because I had some free time had some, and just said, hey, look, I've just, just done this. Can I do some volunteering for you? And, you know, a couple of places just never answered. A couple of places got back to me. And then the whole say after I'd kind of almost proved my worth, I think, after two or three months, that's when they, the HR department said, hey, we want to hire you because you're making quite an impact and nice. so naturally, you know, then when you branch into something else, like, and can I use these techniques as well? And things like that, you know, and then it was like just pushing it on a few doors and seeing what happened. And again, from there, just just joining different networking groups, not with not with a real, I'm trying to work that how to verbalize this, but I didn't go with a, I'm going here to sell and get clients. It's right, yeah. almost a kind of, I'm going to go here. Hey, I need networking because I've, I've moved from a team of, of teachers. I don't know anybody and things. So I get to know a few people and just almost conversationally drop in what you do and things like that. And suddenly from there, they'd sometimes say, hey, we don't have a speaker um, next month. Would you like to do something in, and things? So it, it kind of just grew organically, really, um, just from yeah pushing on a few doors. And my my modus operandi has always been: I'll say yes to something, and then afterwards think, "Oh crap, how do I do this?" <laughs> Which is brilliant. As I spent time with someone this past week, that the conversation was, and I've done this before, spending several weeks to build something out, and then to realize that it wasn't what people were looking for. So wait for the yes, you know, don't agree to something that you can't go, well, I know what I could do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe be a little cautious around timing as to, you know, okay, well, I can do it at this point uh, and then we're good. But the the fun of it is saying yes to things that you do have the potential to do and then going, now I've got this couple of weeks to figure it out. And yeah. I, I love what you highlighted there. And I think that's what's missing in the networking world that, um, I don't know if you know this, that the networking is what, launched what I do too. And you've been around this, I'm sure as well. You can smell that person in the room who's hungry. Yeah. You can follow that sensation that here's the person who just sees you as potential dollar signs and just wants to sell. Yeah. And the ones that succeed are the ones that come in with the same attitude that you did of, I'm going to come in, I'm going to represent what I do. Uh, in some way, it's also going to help me connect with this area better. I am still using my same accountant and insurance rep that I met from my chapters. Oh, God, 10 years ago? <laughs> no, 11. And it's going to create this visibility where people will know, okay, Helen's the person who does this. Yeah. And then, I mean, in time, there are a few and I thought, oh, this this isn't a good fit with me. And I've got better things to do on a Tuesday evening, for example, or something. So I didn't bother going back to them. But there were a couple that I continued, made friends there. And actually, I've had so many referrals from from all of them. You know, it was a really good it, it was a really good thing thing to to do. Um, and then on when we went into lockdown again, it was like, right, who can we have here for our members to to keep them calm, to motivate them, and things like that. So I did quite a lot of um, little speaking engagements, especially in that very first. 
was March, March, April 2020, you know, I had quite a few organisations getting in touch going, what can you do for us, for our, for our members? Because, you know, we've heard about you and things. And yeah. again, just, just picking up a few people, you know, from, from, from doing things like that. And I suppose having been a teacher, you know, standing in front of a group of people, Actually, I think online is easier because you can. I can only see about five, six faces at once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good enough to move the screen around and see all the, the the whole bunch of them. But even so, you know, standing in front of of you know hundreds of people, it's something that I did in my day job for you know twenty odd years. So so it doesn't freak me out at all. I uh, yeah that familiarity to it that it's now something that's natural, and I'd imagine in some ways you kind of see the work that you do now is. A bit of an extension of the teaching. Yeah, I, I really, really do. Um, you know, as I say, using all those skills from teaching. You know, I went into teaching because I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to make that difference to people. And and boy, have I got that now in the in the job I do. But I could do it my way rather than the the, the government's way. Who um, <laughs> put it this way? We just came to a few disagreements in time. <laughs> yeah, that. I'm hearing that right now from the school that we interact with. It's like, oh, that's okay. That's why people are finding new careers. <laughs> <laughs> so then in that journey, and this is a sticking point, I, I know for a lot of people, did you immediately decide, because I know you work with a lot of people around anxiety and even IBS issues. Was that the track from day one? Or is that something that you kind of found for yourself over time? I would say rather it found me yeah. in terms of I found it for myself because again all I heard when I you know I I knew that I really loved the the hypnosis side of it I absolutely loved it did I know anything about business no I knew diddly squat about business and what to do and things like that but it was just let's just see what happens here let's just push push a few doors and I think, again, coming from teaching, especially, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not familiar. I did work in America as well for two years, but I'm not, I, I can't remember. It was a long while ago. So I'm not too familiar with the American system. But our primary school goes from um, like four or five up to 11. And I taught 11 year olds. So just before they went off to high school. So I'm teaching lots and lots of different subjects. So because that was a world I knew, when, when I went into hypnosis, it was like, oh, it's like a kid in a sweetie shop. Well, I can do weight loss um, one session and stop smoking another session, anxiety another session, you know. And I did really enjoy it. And I did a variety of things. And then as you start doing more, you suddenly think, actually, I don't enjoy that as much as I used to. But this is what I actually really love. And I think because you suddenly work that out, you then start doing a little bit more reading around it, training around it, and you get better at it. You get better at it. And hey, guess what? The people you're working with make progress quicker and they tell all their friends and then all their friends or, you know, suddenly tell their friends. And so suddenly you find you're you're doing more or less the same type of type of thing. So it kind of found me and it is. Yeah, I would say it's almost exclusively anxiety and, and again different flavors so it can be sometimes anxiety for public speaking anxiety around needles has been a big one with <laughs> this last 18 months yeah <laughs> you know vaccinations and things most a lot of just what I would call general anxiety and then a lot to do with the IBS I love the IBS work really really do and again there's a hospital in the next county and in England, they're not they're not particularly supposed to consultants actually name a hypnotherapist, but I've heard on the quiet that 
I think it's a bit of like um, go and see a hypnotherapist for this, you know. Oh, by the way, <clears throat> Helen Why she's quite good at <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of wouldn't wouldn't put it down on paper or anything like that. But it just seems hmm, I'm getting an awful lot from the same from the same consultant here. So yeah. yeah, that's been that's been really good, and it's just so rewarding to to get the feedback, you know, from it and. I think you know Freddie Jackwin, and I love it when he says one of the greatest gifts you can ever do for anybody is get them out of physical or emotional pain. And I would wholeheartedly agree with with him on that. You know, it's so rewarding to see that difference you make to somebody. So then out of that, has there been, let's say a bit, which I know you customize, of course, but I know inside of that, have you found some sort of go-to strategies or just a philosophy of the change process that would be helpful to those that want to help work with these clients as well? Oh gosh, there's a question. Um, and I think it may have been, been you, Jason, on one of your recordings or podcasts or something. And I think I heard you say something about um, getting a particular sort of almost like a system in place but obviously a flexible one that you tailor it to the person, but you can almost adapt it to various different things. I mean, parts is, parts one is therapy is always a, one of my go-to ones, you know, for, for all sorts of type things. Um, I, I do, I know, again, hypnotists will be arguing about it for probably for, you know, some people go, oh, I hate idiomotor signals. Other people love it. I quite like it. I find it, you know, I, I like the whole theatrical bit of it and things like that um right. you know that's one of my sort of go-to things with that and I actually quite often I stole it from you well I think I would just say borrowed I think that's better the one where you, you the, came from NLP it's called modeling the, the jazz hands one when you were when you, the in the, the talk before you do it oh yeah <laughs> but and I actually have done that twice this morning and all the time you know you get that laugh for somebody but it's just such an easy way to explain you know, I do the whole explaining about how parts, we have different parts of us that run different, this, that, and the other. But then, hey, I always say to them, hey, shall we just have some fun? And I'll show you, tell you what I've just said, which was all a bit heavy. But let me just show you in a much more fun way. And it's just a lovely way to then go straight into the right. Are you ready to be hypnotized? Then let's make some changes. Nice. You know, and, and, and it just, just goes, just, you know, yeah, just segues nicely into that. So, um yeah, that's probably one my my one that I would use with with everybody for almost anything. But again, it's having that flexibility to just suddenly change at the drop of a hat if you can see something else has come up or or something has changed there, and just looking and going, oh, hang on, we need to sort this out first before I can go to that. Does that and make sense? You, yeah, you opened up two loops there. One I'll take care of. Some people are going, what's the thing with the hands? Um, <laughs> We made the shortcut a while ago because we keep referencing this one podcast. It was uh, two years ago, right after we did the, you know, the 10 episodes that were all, hey, here's the people who do sessions online. And we went out twice a week for the first time ever and then kind of went back to the typical rhythm. And it was episode number 270, Priming with Hypnotic Convincers, um, where it shows a sequence of thinking differently about suggestibility tests and it's where it's not just about doing the thing as a test. It's instead, how do we use this to illustrate a point and increase expectation even before the session begins, which I'll make it quick here. Uh, we, we've done this for most of the episodes. WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash 270. It'll bring you directly over. And um, 
Don't listen to it. Watch it. Scroll down. There's a whole video where you can see it in motion. But hey, you mentioned that you do sessions both in person as well as online. And if only, what was it, three weeks ago, suddenly three different people at the same time posted a question to our public work smart hypnosis community about, hey, I love idiomotor work, but how do you do it online? And I eventually had to then tag the different threads to go, someone already asked this, go here. <laughs> uh, but hey, Helen, while we're here, how do you, well, let, let's start with this first. For those that maybe are not yet aware of idiomotor signals in a hypnotic process, can you give like a brief description as to what that often entails and why we would use it? Um, so Come on, teach your teach. <laughs> <laughs> pressure pressure hey um so again when i you know i'll have nicely gone in with the you know the the podcast one that you've just told people about the um jazz hands thing eated whatever but that is that pre-talk i think and i think you said that and creating that expectation you know and i think that's really really key with whatever you do here so you know you can't be wishy-washy about this you know i will say to them and when i'm doing you know that, that that talking to that part of you that part of you will respond in some way or another and it could be and i'll give them so many different options you know that you're going to hit one of them so it might be a finger or thumb that moves it might be your your head that nods slightly it might be eye, eye, eyes that flicker it might be a breathing change it might be an awareness it might be a tingling you know going through almost anything and you know you're getting their their buy-in all the time and actually i'll sometimes say to them hey can you just move your chair back a little bit you know depending on where you're sitting but normally i've set that up when i've sent uh, you know before i've even worked with somebody how i'd like them to to be there and sometimes if i can't see i'll be really honest and afterwards i'll say to them well i think i noticed this but you tell me what did you notice here and i've never had anybody say well i haven't noticed anything they'll normally say well my arm was tingling or my my fingers were really twitching there if i haven't been able to to see it you know when i'm asking asking those questions and i think i'm really bad at i know it's called parts and it could be called six step step reframe i'm not so good at remembering what all the i know how to do all this stuff but i can't <laughs> never remember what they're all called. <laughs> well, I think back to Michael Elner, who, you know, and this was a respectful quote of his, where he said, at the end of the day, there's only so many different change strategies in all of this work. There's just different presentations and different ways of getting into it. Yeah. So, you know, from the NLP model, here's changing personal history, here's re-imprinting, here's reparenting. And at the core of it, it's the same basic steps. And then I'm the one who goes, everything is still cause and effect relationship of language that as you bring your attention here, it helps you to do that. As that finger responds, mm. it means you're now releasing that fill in the blank. So you're, you're basically just giving a simple instruction though, scoot back so I can see you. And I love that you're giving, I call it a menu. Yeah. <laughs> it might be this, it might, are there any times that you're having to, just cause this was one of the follow-up questions in that thread. Are there ever times where you're having to find a mechanism to amplify it so you can actually see it? Yeah, sometimes I've had actually, and that will be, you know, I'll say something along the lines of, you know, and that will be even stronger there or, or something like that. And do you know what? It is stronger because, again, it's it's saying it. It's using your voice. It's using your your confidence. It's it's holding that space. And again, thinking back to teaching you know sometimes you've got a especially with anxiety people and they've 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 lived with this for years some people and if i said to them oh well 
I'm not sure this will work, but hey, we'll we'll give it a go here. And I'm I'm not sure you're quite the the right person for this. You know, they'd want their money back and they'd get up and leave, and I wouldn't blame them. You know, and it's 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 same with when I was teaching. If I'd said to my class, "There's a really difficult, you know, concept, maths concept here." Do you know what, guys? I just don't think you're going to get this, and you're probably not going to get it before you went on to high school. No, I had to say to them, "Hey, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it well. We may need to practice it a bit more times." And you're holding that space for them, and you're building that expectation and encouraging all the way. And I think that expectation starts the moment either you say hello to somebody online, or you meet them at the front door if you're in the, you know, you're working one to one in a, in a therapy centre. You know, you can already start suggesting almost from that very moment forwards, you know, and telling them success stories of, of other people that you've helped, but not in a salesy way, but just for oh, this, you know, in a storytelling way. And I think that's really, really important. Well, that reminds me of, of a chap I worked with last week, and just weaving that in just so conversationally you know before and getting that expectation before you even even start there's a favorite part of this as we've talked about you know creating change we've talked about the approach of the customization have there been moments where let's say politely even you were surprised uh that it got a result in the way that it did in terms of the process in terms of like client feedback yeah, um, I'd love to say to you, do you know what, Jason, I have been 100% successful with 100% <laughs> Oh, people, we don't allow that on here. <laughs> but I, would be, I would be lying <laughs> if I said that to you. But, so you know, I've, I've learned, again, to go in so open-minded with everybody because – it does blow me away the the real changes that you can that you can make with people huge shifts huge changes and sometimes yeah i'll be thinking oh my life i'm not sure where we're going with this one and then two or so weeks later we you know we'll we'll get some feedback and and yeah and I, I have to be really careful not to, not to go, oh, my God, has really you changed? <laughs> <laughs> really? That was you last week, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think, and I can't remember who, who it was. It, it wasn't my, my basic training, and I need to be quite polite how I said that, say this here. I had to do to – I needed particular badges to work with the hospice and things like that. It wasn't my most favoured one, but I did it to jump through a hoop, and then I started yeah. doing – training and doing what I learned what wanted to do and in a method and in a way I wanted to to do it with and um so I think it was somebody I'm just trying to think who it was could even have been Freddie Jackman I can't remember but it was almost like you know expect that change and that change will 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 happen and I think I've learned to do that and thinking it's not about me actually it's about that person and them and I'm going to be confident that what I'm doing I know it well enough and I'm going to deliver it in a way in a confident way using my voice all the things that I know and that change will happen and I think when you get into that mindset that comes across to the person opposite you does that make sense that that does and I will in a very respectful way, say at the end of the day, some of us say the same things. I will often quote that it sounds better when it comes from Freddie's mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that mine, mine is I don't give credit where it's due. Jeffrey Ronning was someone who used to be much more active in the stage hypnosis world. And for the entertainment side, you know, the sort of curse of the show was what if no one volunteers? What if I can't hypnotize them? And instead to go 
into the experience with the expectation that I'm going to have more people than I need, and they're going to demonstrate what I need to see to help them to get to the best level of hypnosis to pull off the show. And uh, with permission, I modeled that and pulled that into the change work that I don't, it, it takes a lot for me to go to the place of resistant client or, resi- or analytical resistor or secondary gain, because respectfully, we've all done hypnosis more than our client has. Mm. Therefore, it should be our responsibility first to then bend and morph where needed and where necessary. Yes, they're resistant to change. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in front of us. Yet they've clearly made a decision to come to a hypnotist. So there's a lot less resistance there. But the modification is that this person's reaching out to me because there's a part of them that's absolutely ready to make this change. And two, they're going to be a willing participant for this to become a bit of a mutual dance to get to the best process of hypnosis necessary to help make that happen. Mm. So it's, it's a positive expectation from the start as opposed to, oh, this person's an accountant. They're going to be analytical. <laughs> um, no, or better yet, maybe, but most likely maybe not. It's let's not, let's not hypnotize ourselves to believe it's more impossible than it had to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. You said that, that mutual dance there. And I think that's a really good analogy of of what it is when you're, when you're working, when you're working with somebody and almost in sync with them, you know, and watching them and that, that calibration that we've talked about, you know, just a few minutes ago. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about something that I know you pulled off and it's one of my favorite categories of getting that feedback. How many reviews are you up to now on Google? Um, 86. And I know I've got two or three other people that asked me for a, a link, um, which I've sent out this. So I'm hoping that by in 10 days time or so, I'll be up to 89. So <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be cool for the start of January. Won't it? Well, once it hits 89, then you just got to go for 90. And at that point, it's <laughs> and then 100, hey. <laughs> I know. And then at that point, it becomes, what was it? Um, I would... <laughs> with my book. It's like, oh, cool, 100 reviews. And then once it hit like 117, I'm like, that's not too, just take it and be happy. Uh, <laughs> what's What's been working for you in terms of opening up that dialogue and having clients willing to go online and leave those stories, leave those reviews? Um, again, it was um, the phraseology that, that you used about um, how in, you know, how your well, not yours, but as in the person in front of you, you know, it's their lived experience that will encourage somebody else to to make that change. Because, you know, after they, oh, I can't thank you enough. And I'm, you know, I'm so thrilled. and I love being with the place I'm, in, I'm at and, and all this kind of business. And so, yeah, again, you know, I'll, I'll be really upfront, really direct, you know, would you be kind enough to leave me a review? Because it's, it's, you know, your experiences that really speak to other people. And then when we go, oh, yeah, I read all your reviews before I before I called you up or something like that. So, you know, that again, they're already in that world. And I make it easy for them. I actually send them a link so they haven't got to go and search for me and things like that. So I'll send them a link. Occasionally I'll follow up um, if it hasn't been done, say, within a week or so, you know, just a friendly reminder. And it's again, it's using all that language of, you know, and again, if somebody and people do phone me up and they'll say, say to me things like, um, now, I'm not sure how old you are, Jason. That might be right a, a rude question to ask you. But I call it the when Harry met Sally moment. You know, I want a bit of what that that girl, that lady was having. 
Um, don't know if you've seen the film there. Um, mm. You can Google it if not. <laughs> but, you know, they'll often say to me, oh, that guy that left the review three weeks ago, that's what I want. And sometimes I have to go, can you, can you remind me what that guy three weeks ago actually it's, said? It's you the know? ultimate, and you can always quote any Billy Crystal movie to me. That's a safe bet. Uh, <laughs> it's um, my mother one time walked into a diner in New York City and ordered something, and a voice next to her goes, Oh, I'm not going to finish mine. Do you want half? And thought it was the weirdest thing ever until she looked over and went, oh, it's Billy Crystal. <laughs> yes, I can have half of his sandwich. Uh, <laughs> no, but it creates the ultimate scenario of the metaphor. And it's the value of sharing wins, telling stories that in a change process, there's the question as to whether or not we unpack the metaphor. The reason I told you the story was, but the most beautiful thing in the business process is when you tell the story and you just let it kind of sit there and they go, yeah, that's what I want. Mm. Or, you know, it's kind of like this situation. And instead I want, and they're now telling the story for you and giving you the change process. Absolutely. And even when I get an inquiry, so quite often um, I will so you know, some of you might email me with, with an inquiry or something like that about, again, it tends to be always anxiety or an anxiety, an IBS um, and again, I use that line of, you know, but you know, so I, I explain a little bit um, and then I'll say something along the lines of, you know, but don't just take my word for it. You know, this is what other people this is what other people have said. And I'll just, you know, include a couple of reviews, recent reviews about some work I've done that, you know, they're looking for help with, whether that's IBS, whether that's fear of flying, whether that's general anxiety or something or, or insomnia, you know, something like that. So already you're setting that expectation of, oh, well, you know, these are the people she, she helped with, with that sort of thing. And, and so people are coming in, I find much more, compared to when perhaps I first started out and I didn't know any of this stuff, people are coming out, out now with a, uh, sorry, into the first session with a different expectation. I would still say most of my clients are word of mouth referrals from people even like three, you know, four years ago when I when I started out. I, I, I think I heard you say once that you almost want to say to them, hey, come back now, I'm better. And I actually was able to do that just before oh. Christmas. And it was a lady I helped for, I think that could have been... That was stop smoking. That's right. She stopped smoking. And um, anyway, she called me up. Stuff had happened to, and she said, "You were the first person I decided to 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 call. You know, you you did you did such a good job with this." I thought I was pretty rubbish at stopping smoking. <laughs> there's another there's another story, but you know, so we 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 worked together, and I laughed and I said to her, "I said, you know what? I said I'd always thought to myself for some of my first clients, you know, hey, come back, I'm better now." And I said, "And here you are, you came back to me." And she said, "Well, I thought you were good then, but she said, yeah, you're you you're the the first person I decided to to come to." Um, you know, which was lovely. It was a really good encourager for me. And I would say for anybody starting out, just get out there and do it. You know, you 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 learn by by doing. I'm a great believer in that. And you know, again, going back to teaching. When I first started teaching, I was in, I was enthusiastic. I knew the theory, but I didn't have a great deal of practical experience. But those students still actually made progress. 
despite me you know? <laughs> and, um, and then as I got better they made quicker progress and I think it's exactly the same with with what we do you know you're learning in every single session and I'm still you know I taught this was my um my philosophy when I taught and I used to say to the children you learn far more from your snuff ups from your mistakes than you do from constantly getting 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 and I think it's the same with with you know with with us with when we're working, and you sometimes think oh, that didn't go as well as I expected, and trying to unpick it a bit, not beating yourself up about it, but just you know unpicking it, working it out. And I think you do learn more that way. But it's just throwing yourself in there and just seeing what happens, you know, rather than waiting and going, well, I need to wait till I've got this qualification. I need to wait till my website's perfect. I need to wait till this. I need to wait till that. I think you'll be waiting a long, long time, and it's just getting in there and having a go, and you know, being surprised at, at what you, at the changes that you make. And the greatest thing about that is that one of the things that you know what people want versus what they need is often a very different conversation. What they really need is the real time feedback. The same as let's go through your story of getting feedback that here was something that people wanted. And here came an invite to go a specific direction, then going in the networking world. And I'm sure over that time span, it was getting the feedback that here's what people would respond to. Here's the sort of more organic ways we can engage in dialogue. And those people would either become or send clients. And just like real-time feedback, you didn't begin by going, this is the thing I want to work on. Uh, instead, as you said, it kind of found you. So I love that story. And thank you so much for coming on here, because this is the type of conversation that there's so many people sitting off on the sidelines waiting for the right opportunity to drop into their lap. And it's my favorite quote from the um, actor comedian, Kevin Pollack, that if you're not creating, you're waiting. And you made that happen. So thank you for sharing that story. How can people track you down? How can they get in contact with you? got a website so it's www.advancedhypnotherapy.biz helen at advancedhypnotherapy.biz is email address um phone number 07795 and i am on facebook instagram and twitter nice and you did that the favorite way of just saying here's everything absolutely <laughs> 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 yeah, which um, I mentioned a previous episode. This is session number 362. And we've been doing this a while. Uh, 362 of the series. So you can go to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 362. It'll bring you right over to this episode with Helen. You'll see all the links and all the details from there. Uh, thanks so much for joining me here. Before we wrap it up, any final thoughts for the listeners out there? Just to say, I'm just ridiculously excited to having been asked to be a guest on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, that's, the, that's the real child in me with being so excited to, to, to be on here because I've listened to it. I think I said to you, you know, I do it when I'm doing my, my household chores. You know, I listen to it all and I've always thought, I want to be a guest on Jason's podcast. And here <laughs> I am in January, a guest on your, on your podcast. So... <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, from the, the girl that was in a mud hut in Africa to teaching to to now being uh, running my own business and being on Jason Lillette's podcast. Hey? <laughs> so behind the scenes, everybody, usually as soon as we stop recording, we chat for a bit to which I go. I always listen for a title in the episode. 
and I think he just gave it to me. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the power of teaching, which that's exciting. But uh, episode three sixty two, from mud hut to hypnotist. <laughs> can we go with that? We can go with that. That sounds really cool. Jason Lynette here once again, and I need to change up the outro of this episode. No, seriously, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 362, and that'll bring you over to the show notes of this episode, because you gotta see the mud hut, and check out what Helen is up to. You'll see the links to her website, her social media pages there as well, and also check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. There's no need to struggle. There's no need to have to reinvent the wheel. Model what actually has been proven to work consistently, not just in my business, but at this point, more than a thousand hypnotists around the world are in this community using these strategies as well. And yes, making it rain. Run the math for yourself. Book one or two new clients with the systems I teach. You've recouped your investment easily. And now you've got the systems to help even more people. So check that out. Hypnotic Business Systems. Dot com. And hey, one more thing. Uh, if you're coming to the ICBCH Winter Hypno Conference, if you're coming to Hypno Thoughts Live in Vegas coming up in July, come say hello. Uh, one of the best lessons I've ever learned in this industry was that the more giving people are, it's often directly proportionate to how successful they are. So just be aware that there are some who go, you can't have this unless you do this. Or no, yeah, no. Um, we're human. Engage in conversation. Um, I am sharing this because of a chat I had a couple of months ago. It's like, oh, I was told that it's all very clicky. I'm like, do you see how we just got on a call and talked about what your goals were and then set a plan of action? That's how most of us are. So whether it's me, whether it's anyone else in the industry, let me throw a challenge your way. Reach out and say hello. You may surprise yourself exactly where it goes. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.